pray. Father, have your way today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Cool. I need his leading. Um, I'm going to continue to talk on worship because it's actually exceptionally important. I'm going to have a look at Psalm 27 because the Psalms, David just gives us a, a lovely platform of not the different types of worship or the different types of life that you can live, but he gives us a snapshot, a picture of how our lives can look when we're actually, um, I guess, true worshippers and heartfelt worshippers. Amen. So today, what I, what I want to look at is, is that Psalm 27. Who knows it? Does anyone know it off the top? It starts off with, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my refuge, my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And it goes on and on, and we'll have a look at it in a minute. But it's, it's an awesome psalm. It, it is probably a lovely psalm to sit in a coffee shop and read. Yeah. It would probably be a lovely psalm to be at Lake Wendaree inside Pipers and have a coffee and read. Sorry, your coffee's not very good. Um, you could be inside races at Lake Wendaree. It's all about the view because neither of their coffees are very good. Anyway, um, it's a really lovely psalm to sit just to enjoy the majesty of God. Yeah? The reality of this psalm, though, is it's also the perfect psalm to read if you're in the middle of a war zone because that's actually how it was written. It's so encouraging, yet it was written in the smack dab in the middle of a war zone. So for me, probably the best atmosphere or the best setting for this psalm, rather than a lake or, or, or a war zone, is amongst ourselves, where together we can actually worship and bring our lives, our weeks, our months because some of us have had weeks where it's like sitting around Lake Wendaree, but some of us have had weeks, even days, that it's like being in a war zone, you know. So anyway, that's a good setting for it, because there's something about reading God's Word together in a service. Last week, I touched on the fact that the Word of God is infallible. Just because you disagree with some of it doesn't mean it's wrong. God can't be wrong, right? just means that we don't understand all of it yet. And that's okay. I actually think from the moment that we're born, we study the word, we die, go to the grave, go home to heaven. I don't think any of us will fully understand all of who God is and understand all of his word. The minute that either of us can, then you have obviously been lifted to a... a you're now Jesus. <laughs> like... And that's not going to happen. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. But it's a journey, and we learn more and more as we go on. This is the inspired word of God, and I think Psalm 27 is inspired, and I believe we have to open our hearts to it. So David starts off really strongly. Like, man, in the middle of everything, he starts off and he goes, Hey, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Enemies and foes will stumble and fall. It's not on the screen, is it? Because I didn't give it to Vicky. So I'm encouraging you all to bring your Bibles. Anyway. Vic, I don't even know. Where is Vic? Hey, Vic. She's disappeared. Look at that. I haven't given her a scripture and she's disappeared like that. Wouldn't it be really sad if we just missed the rapture and she went alone? Like, we're all of us are still here, but Vicky's gone. Like, dang. Like, oh, well, let's close the Bible, go home, we've missed something. Hopefully, 
Ray, I don't believe she's been raptured, mate. I, no, so I'm just putting it out there. Verse 3 of Psalm 27. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Verse 5 starts off for in the day of trouble. <laughs> Let's ask a really simple question. Anyone ever been in a day of trouble? Like seriously, right? For in a day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. That's actually a really lovely picture of the tabernacle. And that's the setting of this psalm. There's warfare all around. And it is probably a little bit of a, 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 a fluke that it sits this way. But you've got warfare all around and you have... You have the tabernacle, really, the, the, the sacred tent, smack in the middle of everything that's happening in David's life. And here we are at Family Life Church, smack dab for me in the middle of Mount Clear, of all of what's going on in life. Coincidence? Possibly. Warfare all around, and yet God's place of worship is in the centre of it. That's so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. In the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Verse 6. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Verse 8. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Saviour. Verse 10, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. It's really funny that he's talking about war and all the stuff that's happening, and then he goes from all this really heavy stuff to... And don't turn me over to my foes, my false witnesses who are speaking bad about me, who are spreading rumours and lies about me. It's almost as if David knows right then that that stuff in life, if anyone's ever started to speak lies about you, that stuff in life can almost be as difficult as warfare because it eats you on the inside, yeah? It's like he knows and so he points it out because the truth is the enemy, we have an enemy, his name's Satan, yeah, and he trades and works with accusations, unjust accusations. That's the way he works. But still in the midst of all of that, David can still say in verse 13, I remain confident of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, wait for the Lord. Man, the best way to kick off is life <laughs> daily, monthly, yearly, is with an attitude like David. Like, what a brilliant attitude that he had. Now, if this is centre, if this, if this is your attitude, my attitude this morning, where do we, legitimately, where do we sit? Are we sitting all the way over this side and like life's not too good, our attitude's only fair? Or... or is our attitude this morning all the way over here and, and we're like, we're, we're strolling through strawberry fields forever. You know, like, seriously. 
What, what, what's, what's our attitude like today? Is it on the poor side? Is it on the good side? Is life terrible or is life full of life and full of light? And I'd imagine that with any congregation of any size, no matter what church I was speaking in, wherever we are in the world today, that there would be a mix in the congregation of those whose attitude today is just not on the good side and those whose attitude today actually sits really happily on the other side because life, life's just dreamy. <laughs> Attitudes on both sides. But what a great attitude to begin here in the psalm in the midst of all the stuff that we describe. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You know, you and I, we need to make sure that our attitude begins by looking at the Lord and not being overwhelmed by our problem. Yeah. If I can pick on, um, for those that don't know Mark, if I can pick on Mark, for those that are listening at home. So it was probably a couple of months ago now, the, the small stroke, whatever they call it. Now, when you go through something like that, coming out of it, there's parts of you that don't work like they used to, even a small stroke. Now, you can focus on the problem or you can focus on the Lord. You choose. I'm going to speak on his behalf because his wife's been bragging that he's really stuck his, you know, his heels in and he's been focusing on the Lord. Yeah, now she's either just talking him up and lying or she's telling the truth. We're going to believe that's the truth in Jesus' name. <laughs> but that's the choice. That's the choice that we have when something happens in our life. We can either focus on our problem, which then, if we do that, our attitude starts to sink and we automatically fall to the terrible side, or we can choose to focus on God. Because that, that verse goes on, the goes on and says, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Sometimes we think that attitude's all about having an attitude. Yeah? But it's, it's so not. It is just so not. My son Samuel has an attitude for the sake of having an attitude. It can be good or it can be great. It can be somewhere in between. Yeah. But having an attitude for the sake of attitude is not where it's at. In this case, I want to suggest it's not because David's not just better than us by his natural character and disposition. That's not how it works. He's not better than any of us. David actually... His attitude is right with what he's going through because he knows one thing. He has the light. The Lord is my light. Yeah. Yeah, his attitude is right because he walks with and has the light in his life. You and I, no matter what we go through, yeah, we have the Lord, the light in our life. That should dictate what we focus on. That should dictate how we express ourselves. That should dictate how we worship 24 hours a day. So... So this is the source of his confidence. And interestingly enough, the word confidence is used twice in the psalm. And so if you were going to title this sermon anything, you, talk, you, you should call it confident worship. Because so often when we go through wars like David's going through, when we have people that are speaking about us, spreading lies about us, we are anything but confident in our worship. But this is exactly where we should be if the Lord is our light. Amen? The Lord is my light. So that's the source of his confidence. It's the light that gives us good and right attitude, not attitude for the sake of it. It's, it's the light. It's walking in the light, consistently walking in the light. He is the light. 
And, and when darkness creeps in, you know, really, when any of us, because we're Christians, doesn't mean life's perfect. Because we're Christians doesn't mean that we do everything perfectly. We all have moments, and the moments look different for all of us. Yeah. When we slip up and fall, it looks different for all of us. We all have moments where the enemy gets in and goes, and you call yourself a Christian. Ever heard that voice? And it didn't come from your spouse. It may have come from your spouse, but generally speaking, it didn't come from your spouse, yeah? It's just that... that it's not even the inner voice, it's the enemy goes, oh, did you do that? <laughs> oh, oh, I saw you get angry. I saw you swear. You know, I saw you freak out at the kids. You know, I saw you cheat on your taxes. You're right, whatever it might be, yeah? The enemy gets in because he wants us to feel guilty and he wants to rob us of our confidence. Yet all we have to do is turn around and repent. Say sorry. You know, you know what, Abba, Father, I'm sorry about that. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Because often when we start to feel guilt, let's use the word guilt. Sometimes it's our conscience trying to speak to us. Sometimes it's the enemy wanting us to live there. But either way, it is a spotlight to say, you know what, I need to take that before the Lord. Because once we bring the darkness to the light, the darkness has to go. So walking in the light, though, can be tough, can be really simple when we stay within the light, amen? Now, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we have to wear a fake smile, does it? Everyone in this house, those that are listening at home, if you've been part of Mount Clear Church, Family Life Church for any amount of time, you know that we talk about being authentic, being transparent. It's not about wearing a mask. Yes, as Christians, we should be able to smile in the face of adversity because we have Jesus. But there certainly are times where life is tough and we need to have people around us that we can say, you know what, this week really, it sucked. It wasn't good. It was a bad week for me. This happened at work. This happened at home. You know, we can do that. The, the thing that I, I despise the most when you know someone's struggling and so you want to get up beside them and help shoulder their pain, journey with them, how's life going? Yeah, it's great. Everything's all right at home? Yeah, fantastic. Work's good? Oh, brilliant. But you know they've just got sacked, their marriage is falling apart, their kids hate their guts. <laughs> Sometimes we need to be authentic. Yeah, we need to be transparent. We need to walk in the light. Now, now this psalm... This psalm is full of ups and downs. It's full of ebbs and flows. It's full of all of that stuff that you and I face in life continually, always. There are some high points and there's some really huge low points, some difficulties for David. The thing is, though, and the thing about the light, the thing about the stronghold, the thing about the salvation that David talks about in that psalm is that it doesn't waver in the slightest. It is steadfast. It is so steadfast. You and I may waver, but those things do not. He does not. When God's our stronghold, he's, he's not going to become our weak hold, is he? Yeah? He's going to remain our stronghold. He is our shining light. So according to the level of difficulty we face, though, in life, I've just mentioned it before, we often forget that he's our light. We can often forget that he's salvation because we've chosen to focus on the problem rather than focus on him. Are you with me so far? I hope so. <laughs> so when we're in a place where life's difficult, 
It is so, so important to come together in worship. It's so important because when I meet with someone else, when you worship, when you smile, when you greet me, when you give me a hug, when you give me a handshake, when you go, bless your brother, how was your week? Actually, it was a little bit tough. Really? Man, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, can I pray with you? Can I? You know, those moments, man, we need them more now than ever before in history because community is so separated at the moment and we're supposed to isolate and do all of our tough times on our own. But we're not made that way. We're not made to carry that stuff by ourselves. We're supposed to do them together. It's important that we meet together. I think Sundays are important. I think our friendship groups, life groups, whatever a church calls them, Bible studies, I think they're important. I think they're vital because if family, if being a mum and dad with kids, if family is 24-7, then church family is 24-7, yeah? <laughs> so let's look at this um, overall because I want to suggest that David has these huge problems and that probably describes some of us here today, you know? Some of us have got huge problems. Some of us have got small problems. Some problems look huge, but God's got them, and so they'll probably end up small. You know, I think of um, our brother Steve, who's at home, um, and his heart's not functioning properly. So, Stevie, if you're watching, you probably will later today. You know, his lower heart has got a blockage. It's a little bit hereditary, a little bit life. They want to put a pacemaker in there. He's got to go in for a CT scan. But that's some fearful stuff, you know. That I would be worried if that was me. So I met with him, we spoke. There's a little bit of fear, but also the hoping, holding on to Jesus. It's important for him and it's important for us in an environment like that when someone's problem is actually larger than somebody else's, that we're there to encourage, that we're there to pray. So why family is 24-7. Man, it... it if something happened in the middle of the night, say my kids were away, they're on school camp, and Mel's having a heart attack. I don't know. I walked out of the bathroom naked and she was so wowed that her heart stopped beating. I don't know, right? I, I don't know why people laugh at that. Could well happen. I'd want to be able to call someone and not have them say on the other side of the phone, hey, it's after midnight. What are you calling me now? I'd want to be able to drive somewhere, knock on the door and say, I need your help. Yeah? If family is 24-7, church family should be 24-7. And if any of us get interrupted like that in the middle of the night, let's face it, we're all going to be a little bit peeved, but then concerned. Why are you coming to me at this time of night? Why are you calling? But, you know, overall, we should be gobsmacked that they trust us enough to come to us in their time of need that they think we can bring peace to the situation somehow. Man, hey, that's, that's how a family works. You know? So here we are, people with a bunch of problems. Verse 2 says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, <laughs> the wicked they probably devour me a little bit longer than they devour someone else. To devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. God is there. He's right there. They come to get me, but it's them that's going to fall. That's awesome. I, that is a promise that you and I have to hold on to. Verse 3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. 
Though walk break out against me, even then I will be confident. Man, who is this guy, this king? Who is this David that can say, even if war breaks out against me, I'm going to be confident. Even if my life falls apart, I'm going to be confident. Even if, if a child, a parent, a loved one dies in, in that pain, I'm still going to be confident in you. Man, that takes some courage, some faith to be able to pen those words. My heart will not fear. No matter what breaks out against me, I will be confident. The wicked advance against me, an army besieges me, though war break out. This isn't David just fluffing up a psalm for the sake of having enough words in it so the poetry works. This is actually, this is what he's been living. He's been on the run, he's been under siege, he's been at war, and he could relate to the most difficult of circumstances. In fact, there's one Bible commentator that adds to his woes and says actually the way that he writes verse 4 because he says one thing I ask from the Lord so in amongst all of that running that besieging the wars coming he says one thing I ask from the Lord this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life there's one commentator that suggests maybe David knew what it was like to be shut out of the temple during that time he's on the run he's being besieged there's war happening. Maybe he just couldn't get to a church. I mean, you and I have been through something similar with COVID. Like, seriously, I know it's not war, but hey, sorry, you can't go out today or tomorrow or the next day. Therefore, you cannot get to your house of worship. You can't get to your extended family just to be in God's presence. It's... It is so like a COVID season. And so this commentator suggests maybe he knew that as well. Maybe that was another one of his pains that he, he couldn't get into the house of God. And in, the, in and amongst that war zone of his life, he's just saying, all I want is to be in your house and be there for the rest of my life worshipping you. I just want to get there. And then he says in verse 10, it's like he's trying to it's like an altar call where you're trying to grab everyone's heart so that everyone can come forward and get a touch from God. Because in verse 10 he goes, though my father and mother forsake me. Now, this might be hypothetical, but the, the same Bible commentator suggests that maybe David knew what it was like to be separated from his parents. And he went as far as to say that, if you think about it, the, the way that his life's written... David was anointed as king, but when he was anointed as king, his father Jesse was reluctant to bring him in front of the prophet. So maybe David actually knew what it was like to be forsaken by a mum and dad. Yet in that, he still is able to pen words like, I am confident. You know, David's experienced some of the things that you and I have experienced. You know, then, then he talks about being slandered in verse 12. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. It's the worst when that happens to you. My son Samuel tells me sometimes, and I think it's because he's you know, generally pretty good at football, people in other football teams like to say little nasty things about him. You know? Maybe because they're jealous. 
I like it when he gets on the field and shows them that he's right and they're wrong. You know, I reckon that's cool. But it's not nice, regardless of your age, whatever the situation, to have people say things about you. you know, and, and we actually know a little bit about David. We know a little bit about the bunch of problems he faced. Think about the history of David. He's belittled by Goliath. Who do you think you are, little kid? Come on, don't waste my time. Yeah, remember? He, he was looked down by his brothers. He was hounded by Saul. He was attacked by Philistines. He was betrayed by Doeg the Edomite. And, and in fact, that led to a whole bunch of priests being killed. That would have just weighed heavily on him. He was insulted by Nathan. He was pelted with rocks by Shimei. I can never pronounce his name. His own son, Absalom, conspired against him. Imagine the sense of betrayal that he felt. He was belittled and mocked outside of church by his wife, Michael, when he started dancing. And only once, once in his life, was he rightly rebuked by Nathan the prophet. So of all those stories, only one of those is justified. And the funny thing is, it was the wound of a friend, that one wound, that one justified. It was that one wound that actually led David to getting even closer to the Lord. I love that God takes it all, works all things, all of the bad stuff, and he gets this one good thing. Yeah. And he uses it for good in David's life. And David builds this deeper relationship with God. You know, in Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Sometimes we as God's people, we experience accusations. We experience unjust accusations. We experience unjust stuff along the way. But all the attacks on Jesus were not fair. All the attacks against Jesus were wrong because he never sinned. He's our example, yeah. Jesus is our example. He so graciously stood under all of those lies, all of that rubbish, all of that pain for us. So we, here we have David. Despite all of his big bunch of problems, the psalm still stands as a psalm of confidence. You know, you've got this repeated word that kicks off in verse 3. Though an army besiege you, my heart will not fear. Though war break out again, even then will I be confident. And that's a good attitude. Because then in verse 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's his confidence in God that allows him to worship. It's his confidence in who God is that allows him to proclaim his name. When you and I struggle to worship, my question is this, yeah? Are we confident in him? Because if we're confident in him, no matter what we're going through, no matter what ailment I have, what pain I have, what distress in my mind I have, if I am confident in him, wouldn't I worship like I'm confident? Wouldn't I worship like I'm going to be healed, whether I see the healing or not? Yeah? Wouldn't I step into a place and raise my hands and lift my voice and worship him if I'm confident in him? If you're confident in your footy team, you actually barrack really loudly. Even when they're losing, you're still confident they're going to win, so you keep barracking. The minute your confidence goes, you stop barracking, you sit there quietly and you usually leave the game early. But while you're confident, you barrack. While you're confident, you shout. Ben, one day you'll be able to do that with the Brisbane Lions or Bears or whatever they're called. It's okay, I'm a Western Bulldog supporter. Everyone knows that. 
There was years where I mourned. This is why now I can shout and barrack. But the point being, if we're confident, yeah? If we're confident, then that should be our worship. If we're confident and we're singing in our worship, then the songs that we sing, man, words like, who am I to fear? We're actually confident. They're not just words. So when they come out really softly, come on, man, where's the confidence in God? Where's the confidence to step in and just let it rip? Man, I'm going to sing these words because they're true and they're amen and they're yes. They're promises over my life. We've got to know where our focus is. David writes, he writes in verse 13, I remain confident, confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's saying, man, I'm going to see it. It doesn't matter if I've got a tumour. It doesn't matter if there's an army against me. It doesn't matter whether my discs are out of my back. It doesn't matter if I'm overweight and struggle to get up and down two or three steps. It really doesn't matter because I'm confident that I'm going to see the Lord and I'm going to live like that. I'm going to sing like that. I'm going to tell people about that God because I am confident in him. His focus through all of his trials and tribulations was always, always Father God. The same God that we follow, our Messiah and King. Do you remember the song? And no, we're not going to sing it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a line in it. When the darkness closes in, Lord, when the darkness closes in, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, that, that's, that's a really powerful statement. That's got to be our life. Even when darkness closes in, even when life throws lemons at me, it's not going to shift or change my worship. I am going to turn off that cruddy ACDC. I'm going to turn off the techno dance music. I'm going to put some Hillsong or something on and I'm going to worship God in my trial and tribulation. Even when the darkness is... Man, that's a victorious attitude. You and I, we should have a victorious... You ever met a Christian who looks like life's been sucked out of them? We've all, I know we've all had moments like that, but I don't want to live in that moment. One of the songs that was playing over the speakers while we were praying this morning had a really short line that said, this is a holy moment. If I'm going to live in any moment, it has to be a holy moment. It's got to be a God moment. If I'm going to live in a moment, I'm going to live in that. And, and, and that's the victorious attitude. It's a wonderful confidence that we can be surrounded by God in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations. We can declare that the Lord is our strength, our salvation, our light, our stronghold, and that we will dwell yeah, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I love David's confidence because... Those things came true. I love David's confidence comes not just because he's cleverer or stronger than us, but because he follows a mighty God and he's kept his focus on the King of Kings. You know, suggest, I want to suggest that worshipping is walking in the light. It's walking with God day in and day out. You do that enough and you can worship no matter the situation. You know, when the darkness closes in on our circumstances, when the darkness closes in on our relationships, you know, somebody said something that we didn't like, somebody did something at church and it upset me, that, it, none of that stuff will matter because we're focused on him. 
But when we're not focused on him, that stuff, that darkness, that can separate us and stop us from walking in the light and stop us from walking in the light together. That's what happens in churches everywhere. Jesus is the light of the world, amen? But we get distracted. David tells us that we get distracted. But somehow he chooses to be a worshipper. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. You know, when we get distracted, when we lose vision of the Lord being our light and our stronghold, words like, though an army besiege me, won't be followed by, <laughs> I won't fear. You know, when, we, when we're not distracted, words like, though war break out against me, we won't be saying that we're confident. But when we're focused on him, you know, when we know that he has all things in control, when we're we can choose to be a worshipper, a confident worshipper. And when we do that, then we can say things like, I won't get scared. I am confident in this. You know, we lose our confidence when we're distracted by all the stuff that's happening around us. You know, Abraham was called to be patient and expectant for his wife to have a baby, but he was distracted, wasn't he? by a slave girl named Hagar, wasn't he? Esau lost his birthright because he was distracted by hunger. I wonder how many sermons in churches around the world have been ruined because people have been distracted by hunger. It's 12 o'clock. Oh, he's still talking. Well, let's just slow it up a little bit. The sermon was fine, but we just couldn't listen because... We got hungry. There was a church lunch on. We had to get out the back before all the good food went. Judas couldn't even see Jesus. I mean, Jesus is doing miracles. He turns water into wine. He heals the sick, the blind, raises people from the dead. And what does Judas do? Captured by his own, I'm going to suggest, politics. Because <laughs> that's what many think were actually driving Judas was politics, his view on how Israel should go. The way we think our country should go. The way that we think our church should go. The way that we think our business should go. And for 30 pieces of silver, he, he hands over the Prince of Glory. You know, Peter, Peter took his eyes off Jesus for a moment. He began to sink. Jesus himself speaks to one of his friends and says, Martha, Martha, you are distracted. You know, getting back to the heart of worship really is to walk in the light, to walk in him. You know, I could be preaching to myself. Like all of us, we've been distracted, we get hurt, we all have. But in all this, can we make sure continually, you and I, that we're walking in the light? You know, I've seen families over the last 20 years neglect the house of the Lord. This is not a rebuke. Yeah, this, isn't, this isn't even criticism. This is commentary, just what I've witnessed. Yeah, we love our kids and we're called to raise our kids and I know that we will do anything for our kids. But sometimes what our child wants becomes a thing that we have to do. Sports is the perfect example. Yes, I know there are seasons, but many have, dis have been so distracted from the worship, 
worshipping community, many have been so distracted by the actual discipleship rhythms that God has put into place. Then you've got others that are distracted because, oh, are we going to sing that song? Oh, Oh, aren't we going to sing that song? I like that song. When, I, when we sing that song, I feel really happy. But when I sing that, when we sing that, I don't like that. Really? Do you know what? Have you considered not what you like, but the prophetic destiny on the house? Have you considered where the Spirit of God moves? Have you considered that you can take an old song and as long as it's the heartbeat of the house, the song still works. But you can take a song that was the flavour of the month and if the heartbeat of the house has changed, it's not going to work because the church has moved on from that. Oh, but I like it. I like it when we sing that song. And so people get distracted, totally distracted and they miss what David is trying to show us in this psalm, that he's our light, he's our salvation, he's our stronghold, and we can be confident no matter what's freaking us out outside there, that I will see the land of the living. Yeah. Why don't we stand, because I'm out of time, and I could go on and on. I could have fun going on and on. I'm... Just going to fly right to the end because I want to finish with this if I can find it. <laughs> You're here somewhere. Where are you? Verse 6. Verse 6. Because <laughs> I want to encourage us to not be distracted. But more than not being distracted, it's having the confidence to worship when life is falling apart. It's having the confidence to worship when your body's falling apart. It's having the confidence to worship when you're so tormented in your mind that you don't want to get up the next day. It's so wanting to worship and position yourself and posture yourself in the presence of God that even if war breaks out, you can say like David, all I want, is the reason he said it, all I want is to, to be in your house all the days of my life. And he says to gaze, to gaze, it's literally to, to look upon, to inquire of the Lord, just to sit, to be with him. Verse 6 says this, because yeah, all this stuff's happening, right? All around him. And I'll, I'll lead with verse 5 when I find it back here somewhere. Just use your Bible, Andrew. Verse 5 says, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe. He will keep me safe in his dwelling place. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set, my, and set me high upon a rock. I, I love that because I'm not jesting, but it's almost that, that um, Lion King, Simba, God gets us and lifts us up and goes, hey, he's my son, he's my, he's my daughter. He sets us upon a rock. And not only does he set up us, sets, sets us up on a rock, he actually holds us up. No, do you understand that no one can get us? We're in the hands of the Father. No, no one's got longer arms than the Father. That in that place, we are totally safe and sound. Yeah? And then it goes on in verse 6, and it says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, and his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. <laughs> in war, no one wants to make noise. In war, everyone wants to be quiet in the hope that the enemy passes by. 
somehow the Christian church has allowed that to infiltrate their hearts. That when stuff's going on, I can't tell people. I can't share it with others because if I do, the enemy might hear. The enemy might find us. We might get captured by that sickness. But David, in the midst of his war, not only desires to be in the house, but he comes to the house and he says, I will shout. I will shout. You've got to hear this, church, for those that are at home. I will shout in the midst of my troubles. I will shout. I will worship. I don't care if the enemy hears me. But I have such confidence in my God that I'm going to shout. I'm going to worship. Man, I am confident that I will see the day of the living. I will get people to pray. I will run around. I will wear it on a t-shirt. It will be emblazoned. I'll even get a tattoo that says, He is my God and I trust in Him. And I love donuts. All of that stuff. He will shout. Church, we've got to be a people that shout. We've got to be a people that shout. We've got to be a people that says, you know what? That's not my kind of music. I love the old hymns. Ray, I like country and that other stuff. I like that music, but I know one thing. If they've chosen in the house that I'm in to sing this song, that that must be where the Spirit of God is today. And I will honour the point. I will run where they run. If you go to a church that sings hymns, don't complain that they sing hymns. They're probably singing it because that's what works there. That's the DNA of the house. Be a people that wherever you are will shout to the Lord and worship him in amongst our problems. Amen. Can we be that people? Can we be that people? Put your hand on the person next to you. Let's pray. We need to pray. There are people that are unwell right now. Can someone get... Yeah, someone yeah, do that. Hey, thank you, Amy. Put your hand on your dad on his shoulder. Is your arm working properly, properly Mark? Yeah, 100% or is it at 80? 100%. Awesome. Don't pray for him. Go to someone else. No, I'm joking. Yeah, someone's next to Nick. Has anybody got something that they're fighting with? A family member that needs prayer right now? No one? No one's got anyone that needs prayer? Okay, so someone's already praying with you. Can someone keep Steve Oswald on, on, on your mind? Uh, John and Judy, people within our family, if you've got someone, just bring them up now and let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. Let's, let's shout it out and say, man, we know we've got this sickness. We know we've got this trial. We know we've got this tribulation. I know that around me life, life just seems to close in sometimes. I've got this addiction, but heaven forbid I don't give a rip. The enemy is not going to get me down. I am confident that I will see the land of the living amen so start praying church start praying father we thank you right now god for the way that you're going to move we thank you father that the confidence that we can have in you you are our light you are our stronghold you are our salvation and lord no matter what comes lord comes against us we can say i will be confident in this i will see the land of the living i will see the land of the living i thank you god that i stand lord in a place Father, that no matter what comes against me, I know that you use all things together for good. I thank you that each and every one of us is being transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. And God, I thank you for your son, David. I thank you, Lord, for his example. I thank you, Father, that we can cry out just in the same way that he cried out over and over and over again. I will be confident. I will be confident. I will be confident. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock 
For those that are at home, we pray a blessing over you. We pray healing over your life. We pray that you'll be able to make it to a house somewhere. And we pray that if you're not able to, that you will receive a double portion anointing of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the people here right now today. God, I thank you, Lord, for their hearts. I thank you for their faith. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for those that are part of our extended family that have been watching today. May you do a work, God. May you give us the courage, the confidence to shout out in the day of trouble. No matter what the enemy throws against us, that we will know that we will see the land of the living. And Father, I pray that we will hear testimony upon testimony upon testimony in the day, weeks and months to come because you are a glorious God that has never left us, nor have you ever forsaken us, and nor will you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in this house, we give you all the glory, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. For those who are at home, thanks for joining us.